0: From Matthew chapter one, no, chapter six, verses one to four. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Amen. Thank you so much, Rochelle. Well, good evening, one and all. Oh. Oh, Rochelle's awake. Good evening. We're all here. We're all good. Sweet. Thank you for coming. Thank you to those online. I almost heard you louder than the people gathered here in the auditorium. But uh, that's a good thing. It's good to be gathered here this evening. It's good to be together. It's good to be celebrating God's goodness to us. And uh, this evening, we're moving back to studying the Gospel of Matthew or moving through the Gospel of Matthew as we were uh, before the series we had on Master Life. And uh, we're going to pick up where we left off. We've had the Sermon on the Mount. And and the thing is. there's quite a change of direction uh, in the passage of Scripture that we're looking at tonight. Uh, in the later half of uh, chapter 5, which we last looked at, we saw Jesus was dealing with specific topics. And um, he's, he began by refuting the claim that he was rejecting, uh, overruling or replacing um, the law of Moses. And that instead he had come to fulfill that law. And then he moves on, he had that as the foundation and he moved on to that series of topics where he said, you have heard it said, do not, but I say to you, where he is correcting uh, the practices that were there. So Jesus took what had become a common practice or interpretation of the Old Testament and then he explained what the original intended meaning was, that it was more a heart matter than an outward sign or show. And so the scribes and Pharisees had majored on how they appear, how they kept, often man-made laws, and how they kept those things to a T. And what they had missed was the expectation of that inner transformation, that inner change, which should occur when we begin a relationship with God. And that is true for the Old Testament and the New Testament. It is always about relationship with God and inner transformation as a result of that relationship. And tonight we've heard, read, many of the acts of righteousness, one of many of the acts of righteousness, which must be evident if that inner transformation has truly occurred. Let's pause and pray. Father God, I want to thank you again that we can gather here this evening. I want to thank you that in this country we are presently free to do that. Lord, help us not to take that for granted. Help us to be willing to come here, Lord, with open hearts, open minds, open ears, and listen at home, Lord, the same way, so that your word can transform. Your word can challenge us. And Lord, we leave here motivated to live more for you. Father, we want Christ at the centre of our life in an ever-increasing way as we submit more and more to him. So do your work this evening, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So what we need to realise, when we come to that point where we commit our life to the Lord Jesus Christ, when we call him our Lord and Saviour, there should be this inner transformation. And if that inner transformation is a real thing, if we have made a serious commitment, then there should be an outward manifestation of what has already occurred inside We should have this desire to serve God. We should have this desire to be obedient to him. And that should be in ever-increasing amounts. There are three things that are mentioned in chapter 6 of Matthew. Giving alms, praying and fasting and it would be easy just to do these things to have a little checklist in a box that we can tick off and say well i've done these things but there is an expectation that our motives are pure And Jesus begins his practical application by speaking about giving alms. Now in a day when there was an abundance of poor people and no support for them, the expectation of the religious people to give alms was very, very high. It was considered normal to do such a thing. And Matthew 6, 1 says, Beware of practising your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So what is very different in Jesus' day to today that is if you considered yourself religious, there was this natural expectation that you would give alms, that you would support the poor. And you would be easily identified as being that religious person because of the way that you conducted yourself. And obviously at the top of that list was actually helping the poor. And Jesus encourages his followers, his followers to do the same. But there's a warning here, isn't there? Jesus points out that there were people who appear to be doing the right thing, but their motives are not right. He says, beware. Some translations say, take care. And what Jesus is saying is that you need to pay careful attention as to why you are performing these acts of righteousness. This act is a service to another. And the question is, why are you doing it? A righteous act is an act which is done in order to glorify God. It's something we do, where we actually don't want any recognition for ourselves, And unfortunately, there are many who do such things with a desire to be seen or acknowledged for exactly what they've done. That does not bring honour to God. It does not give him the glory. And so Jesus says that if you do that, if you are showing off your acts of righteousness, your acts of kindness, your giving of alms, then those people who recognise you, those people who acknowledge you for doing such things, that's your total reward. There will be no reward for you in glory you've received your reward in full so keep in mind when you do these acts of service they're not to be public where people will observe what you do don't hear me saying never do an up, a public act if someone will see you do it but it gets back to that attitude of heart why are you doing what you're doing And are you doing it in a way where you don't want recognition, where you want the glory to go back to God, where you want Him to be acknowledged as the one who prompted you to do it, and that you're only doing it because of all that He's done for you? Make sure that you're doing what you do for God's glory and not to be recognized yourself for your acts of kindness. This is an expectation, this is what Jesus wants. And it's interesting how much you get out of a passage when you just dwell in the Scripture for a while, and this one was no different for me. Matthew six two. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. When I'm talking about Jesus' expectations, the first thing that is here is. That we should all do this there's no exceptions it isn't an if you do this it isn't an on the occasion when you do this it is when you do this and so we can rightfully ask how often should we do this and Jesus in the translation here is saying there's an expectation that all of my followers will be doing what we are talking about on a regular basis we should be daily looking for opportunities to give alms to people We should be doing acts of kindness and generosity on a regular basis. It should be something that is inherent in us, something that we just desire and want to do because that is Jesus out working in our life. We should be thinking about what he did and mimicking his life ourselves. We should be following him. But what exactly is he calling us to do when it speaks about giving alms? And there's many different translations that say uh, about giving to the needy or practicing righteousness. Uh, some say it's charitable giving, some say it's giving arms, some say it's merciful acts, merciful deeds. So what I'd like you to hear, this isn't just about giving money. And there's many people who perhaps aren't in a position to give money. This isn't your tithes and offerings, We have our tithes, which is that standard percentage that we constantly give to a place we have chosen. Hopefully SDBC, if this is your home church, that's your tithe. On occasion, God may call you to give over and above your tithe. So you give your tithe, then you give the extra. I love it, and I've said this before, I love it when people come to me and say, I'm tithing as the Old Testament is. I said, praise God, so you're giving 33 and a third percent. They go, what? That's what the Old Testament was. But you have your tithe, you have your offering, then you have your giving of the alms. These are the things you do over and above those two. These are the things you do which can become those acts of kindness and it doesn't have to be money. We need to be reaching out to our fellow men, fellow women, fellow children. And the idea is for us to meet an obvious need. John 2, 15 and 16 says, If a brother or a sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm, be filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? And this is referring to this giving of alms. If you see someone in need and you have the ability to give to them, do it. That's what we're called to do. This verse is a rebuke for those who say... They are following Jesus, those who say they are obeying, people of faith. This is a rebuke to them. And they don't understand that Jesus is calling them to minister to the ones who have needs. And so they do that pious, may God bless you with all that you need. When sitting in the cupboard at home is that jacket that would keep this person warm. In the linen cupboard is the six bare blankets that they could quite easily give to them. They have a pantry full of food that they could share with those people. And God's saying if you have the ability, if you have that stuff there, pass it on, share it with those who are in need because when you retain it, when you don't give it to them, you're not loving as I called you to love. You're not giving arms as he's called us to. Kind words do not make a person warm. Blankets and jackets do. And likewise, saying you hope someone is able to get some food soon it won't fill their belly and if you have the ability to help and refuse to do so in context in these two verses how can you possibly say you're a follower of Jesus this is a word that is to be obeyed and again the warning you must do this it is not an option a follower of Christ must show acts of kindness to others regularly but you should not do it to draw attention to yourself. Draw attention to your generosity or acts of kindness. That's what the hypocrites do. And again, they've received their reward in full. Think about the analogy here about sounding a trumpet. If we were to go out and if we were to talk here and someone was to actually sound a trumpet out in the open paddock there, we would all hear it. And that's what it's talking about. Someone who does something in order to draw that attention from everyone around there. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. That would be hypocritical. Counter to what a true follower of mine would do. And they'll receive no eternal reward for what they do. So what should our attitude be? And Jesus says, we should be self-sacrificing and self-forgetting. In verse 2, Jesus speaks about the attitude and actions of hypocrites. Those who have this outward appearance of holiness. But their actions show that they do not have a genuine relationship with Jesus. They're not honouring him. They're honouring themselves. Verse 3 says, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Interesting play on words there, isn't it? And the but here, there's a but here. And the but is here because it's a mention that what a Christian follower is, is in total contrast to what has been mentioned before. We're in total contrast to what the hypocrites do. We are totally opposed to their way of living. They may be giving to the needy and it may be in a flashy, showy way in order to draw attention and it isn't about stopping them, let them keep doing that. But you, as followers of Christ, when you give to the needy, don't be like that. Don't be like them. In fact, be the total opposite of them. Try and do things in secret when you give to the needy. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And that seems so hard to understand. I don't even know how that's possible. But the thinking behind it is that your initial concern for the needy should be motivated by your desire to help them in their time of need. It's about having no self-awareness of what you are doing. No attitude of self-serving, no attitude of wanting to be seen by others. It's about doing it because you believe that's what Jesus wants you to do and you don't care that no one knows. An attitude of self-serving is one where you you say in your mind things like, if I do this then, have you ever caught yourself doing that? If If I just wait a little bit longer, there'll be a few people arrive and they'll actually see what I do and... You're self-serving. You're feeding your ego. You're feeding your pride. The act of kindness, whatever it is that you do, is done then without pure motives. The call is to not even praise yourself. Have you caught yourself doing that? You do something and it's like, that was pretty cool. Good on you, Charlie. Sweet. Sweet. We're not even to do that. We're to thank God that He prompted us and we were able to help someone as a result of that prompting. We have to live in a way that always promotes and glorifies God His goodness, His love, His compassion. So when we give, we should simply rejoice in the fact that we can be involved in blessing others. Not to be recognised, but because God has given us an opportunity to serve others for his glory. And I don't know if you've found yourself in that place, but it's just so awesome sometimes to have God use me for his purposes. And I have to tell you, there has been occasions where we've done things, uh, where God has laid on our heart a particular person that he believed we should bless And uh, we've done the whole stealth mode and slipped money through cat doors and things like that. And to see the joy that these people have as a result of getting those funds they so desperately needed. And it never ceases to amaze me how often it is exactly the right amount of money. What was laid on our hearts, what was laid on that person's heart, what they desperately needed. And God has met that need. And it's not just about money as I say. It, it, it's, it's so cool when, when someone is, is ill and in hospital and you do the whole stealth move and go around and mow their lawns for them. Uh, or a uh, situation where there's a single mum and she can't maintain a car or anything and, and just say, hey, look, just, just give me a car. I'm just going to go and um, sort a few things out for her. And you not only sort out those issues, but you give the car a cut and polish and a full clean and everything like that, and you give it back to her as if it's a brand-new car. These are simple things that we can all do. And you bless people abundantly by doing such things. When we give... We do it in such a way, with such an attitude, that we'll even keep it from our closest friends. We won't let them know. And Jesus wants to emphasise this. When we give to the needy, we are sworn to secrecy. We come to this last verse, and it really rounds off why all this is done. When we give alms, what what is it we should be aiming for? What is it we should be desiring? And Matthew 6, 4 says, So that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Why was Jesus instructing us this way? Why does he call us to be not like the hypocrites? So that our giving will be in secret. Our aim when doing kind deeds for others is to do it without recognition by anyone. And we have nothing to fear, though. Our Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And don't hear me saying he will reward you in the here and now. You don't give in order to receive. You give because of the abundance that God has given you. And some people may be sitting here and say, well, God hasn't done that for me. I don't have an abundance. If you're a follower of Jesus, you were dead. And now you're alive. What more could you be given? And, and, and I get frustrated with some of you. You know, some of you have got these incredible stories. And I mean, we've all heard those crazy stories. Hey, yeah, I was in witchcraft. I was a devil worshiper. I was on alcohol and drugs and blah, blah, blah. And then Jesus miraculously (laughs) saved me, wow, that's a great testimony. Well, what about you? What had happened to you? I was brought up in the church and sometime I came to Jesus. Guys, you were dead. Now you're alive. That's a miracle. Each and every one of us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ are a walking, talking miracle. And we need to grasp hold of that. We need to realize that... Jesus Christ is so powerful in our life. You were dead and now you're alive. You rise to new life in Christ and that power that rose you from the dead is the same power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead. Can you believe that? You're better because it's the truth. And that power is the power that equips you to do these good works and acts of service for our Lord and Saviour. Each and every one of us Should be incredibly thankful for Jesus Christ's intervention in our life and how much He has transformed us. That inner work should be shown in outward acts of kindness. God sees that thing which is done in secret, He sees our good deeds and He knows our hearts, He knows our minds, and He will reward us. And I've got no idea what that reward's going to be like. Jeff? You no idea? No idea? I don't think it's going to be pink shirts, by the way. I don't know, it could be wrong. But,
0: <laughs> but
1: we, we don't know what this reward is. We're just told it's going to happen. Who was it that told us that? He sees what we've done, he sees the sacrifice we've made. And he sees, if our hearts and attitudes are right, that we've done it for his honour and for his glory. He sees that and we're told our father sees these things and he will reward us and I don't know what that reward is and I actually I don't care to be quite honest but I know a little of God the father I know he's generous I know he's kind I know he's faithful I know he's true I know that he knows me better than I know myself. So if he says he's going to give me a reward, it is going to be way beyond my expectations. It is going to be exactly what I need. But think about it. What if his reward to me is just a word from his lips? What if his reward is something direct from his hand? A gift from glory gift from my loving father is greater than anything i could possibly imagine and so so priceless so incredible so what's this mean for us we we come along to church we do this every week don't we i don't know about you guys i love coming here It's pretty cool. We sing some great songs. I get to talk to some people. We get to know each other. And and, and that's encouraging. I, I love doing that. I love hearing good news stories. You've heard me hammer you constantly about, you know, give me a good news story. I want to hear what God is doing in your life. And it's so good to hear those stories and hear what God is doing. But if that's all there is, we've missed the point. Last week we had our Focus Sunday and we, we disclosed that we will be focusing again on making disciples. Discipline follows our Lord Jesus Christ and it is our desire that we're not just going to be people who make disciples, we're going to be disciples who disciple and disciple. We want that to be an ongoing thing. We want to see everyone discipled within this church and then we want to see our community disciple. We want to see people brought into the kingdom as a result. And then we said the key verse for the year, the key verse is Luke 9.23. And he said to all, this is Jesus, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. We are to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily and follow him. And that's exactly what's being said in this passage again this evening. The call is to follow him. It's a command and an expectation. If you would prefer, uh, that's exactly what he's calling us to do in these acts of kindness. He's commanding us to do it. And we deny ourselves in this. We don't want praise or honor or glory for ourselves. We want that to be going to God. We want him to be praised, honored and glorified. Why? Because he has done so much for me. I was a wretch. I was filthy. I was a sinner. And then I came in and I knelt before my Lord and Savior. I deserved to be struck down. And he forgave me of all of those sins. I had no hope myself. And he showed me hope. And if my response to that is to serve him the rest of my days, so be it. It's a fair trade. It's an incredible trade. So we deny ourselves because we want him glorified. I don't want glory. I don't want it for myself. I want it for him. What we do is so the recipients who received those acts of kindness will be made more aware of our God and Saviour. I think I've told you about our, our, our young people from my former church, how I said to, you, I said to them, I said, guys, I said, we, we've got to actually do stuff in the community. We've got to show them uh, just an act of kindness. And uh, one of the girls worked for the local Woolworths. And I said, okay, that's it. Let's do it. Let's just go down to the Woolworths if your boss allow us to. And, and let's just take people's groceries to their car. We'll just offer. If they want us to, that's great. If they don't want us to, so be it. And so we spent several hours down at the local Woolworths pushing shopping trolleys for people. And, and some people were very sceptical, it's like, well, what do you want? You know, and some of them reach for their wallets and go, well, here, I go, I want to give you some money. It's like, no, it's not about that. And they said, well, what is it about? So we just want to serve you. We're, we're from the local church, and we want the community to know we're, we're here to serve. And uh, we got several hours into that day and, and just... The young people coming back talking about the conversations they'd had with people because they were gobsmacked. Said, Seriously, you don't want anything? No. We just want you to know we're here to surf. And, and uh, as a result of that, uh, opposite the Woolworths was this coffee shop, and uh, this guy goes, Oi! And I'm like, This could go bad. I walked over, I said, Yeah, goes, what are you doing? I was like, Oh, we're just taking people's groceries to the car. Who are you? Goes, what are you? Where are you from? Goes, oh, we're from the local church up the road. And I say what? You getting money off these people? Eh? No. Nope. So we're just serving. Yes. All right. You and all that mob, if they want anything, it's on the house. It's a response because they can't believe people would just do something for nothing. And we can have impacts like that here. And I believe we should have impacts like that in our communities. We want to show people that God loves and cares for them. And the way we do that is to allow his love to flow out of us to them. He calls his people, you and me, to minister to them. We are his hands and feet. We are called his ambassadors, commissioned to be agents of his righteousness here on earth, ministering to believers and non-believers alike as they have need. And we are to take up our cross, accepting that this is the way we have been called to live. He willingly sacrificed himself, refusing... Sorry, we willingly sacrifice, refusing to withhold our acts of charity because our lives are no longer about us. Our lives are not about accumulating wealth. Our lives are not about gaining security for ourselves. We have to come to a point of realisation that all that I am, all that I have is from the Lord's hand. And if he asked me to give it to him in order for what I have to be distributed to others, so be it. The inner transformation we say we've experienced as a result of giving our lives to Jesus should be seen in external acts of righteousness. Again, not for our recognition or praise, but in order that God's kingdom of love, grace, and favor be upon all men. We do not do what we do in order to gain salvation. Hear that very clearly. You will not gain salvation from acts of kindness. We do not gain a more favourable standing with God. He doesn't look upon us and say, that's pretty sweet. We do these acts of charity as an expression of the transformational work that has already happened inside us through the power of Holy Spirit. Galatians 2.20 says... I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. My life is no longer my own. I live in submission and obedience to Jesus. Do you want to live like that too? Are you willing to say tonight, Lord It is no longer about me it is all about you i want to live for your will and your purposes i want to do acts of righteousness in order that you are honored and glorified and what do these acts of righteousness look like i want to i want to tell you a story that um, I, i read online it's obviously a little old but it's still applicable a man moved to this small town he bought this little house across the street from the railway tracks And every morning he noticed this elderly lady walking along the railway tracks, picking something up and putting it in a bag and going home. Every day this lady did this. And he got curious about this lady and he didn't want to approach the lady, but instead he went to the local corner store. You know, we call these mum and pop stores, I'm not sure if that's still the case, but it's just the local corner store. an older couple usually owns and so he goes to the store and he said there's this old lady that goes by the railway tracks every morning she picks something up do you know what's going on there and the owner of the shop said oh that's the widow Jacob's every day she comes halfway across town to pick up the coal that is spilled on the tracks from the steam trains as they run through town and this man said "But there hasn't been a steam train on this track for many years. And the store owner says, yeah, that's right. He said the steam trains stopped running a very long time ago. But Mr. Simpson, who runs the hardware store, he knew the widow Jacobs came out to pick up the coal. And the widow Jacobs uses that coal to warm her house and cook with. And so Mr. Simpson goes out every morning before daylight and puts coal on the track so when the widow Jacobs comes along she can collect coal the widow Jacobs retains her pride she doesn't need to ask for help but this simple act of kindness provides so well for her we are to do the same acts of charity the giving of arms could be simply dropping groceries at someone's door without knocking on the door, just leaving them there. It could be slipping money into an envelope, a cat door, the back door for something you know those people need. It could be sliding a Woolworths or Coles gift voucher in the letterbox when you know that they need groceries. It could be, as I said earlier, that you know someone's not well and you slip around and mow their lawns. You may notice a house in your neighbourhood and you get a few people together to do exactly the same thing because it's a bit run down. You may want to touch base with the local school chaplain and say, what kids are genuinely in need in here and how can we supply for them? Something that Elena and I were blessed with. There are times as a married couple when you've got kids where you're ready to tear your hair out and it may be that you just offered a babysit even for an hour so that couple can have some time together to enjoy a cup of coffee without kids screaming or whatever. Think outside the box. Our generous giving blesses abundantly. And I'd love to see us do an acts of kindness in this church. I'd love people to start talking about the little surprises they got throughout the week because of people's generosity not for recognition but because we are the family of God and if we start doing that here can you imagine it'd overflow into our community and we'd have an impact that we haven't seen before question is are you gonna do it I can stand here bumping my gums every week if you don't get off your butts and do it I'm wasting my time there's no change think about what you can do and let's do some of this stuff and be a blessing to those first and foremost of the family of God but then further afield as well let's pray father god i thank you that your word it's it's not a void word it's not a word that we can just sit and read lord if we call ourselves followers of the lord jesus christ you challenge us by power of holy spirit and lord i know that there's people here who've been challenged this evening lord Don't let that go cold. I just ask again, you'll remind them by Holy Spirit that you'll stir up in them a desire to do something this week, Lord, where they can honour and glorify you by serving someone else, Lord. And Lord, I do pray that they will do that in secret and they will know the joy of seeing that person respond and thanking their God, our Father in heaven, for this great thing that has happened for them. So Lord, it's your work. I can't do any of this. Please prompt these people to be giving arms in Jesus name amen